מי 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 אריק? You, you. You and me. Yeah. We're reading through the Bible. We are. And I'm kind of getting ready because Deborah is going to be you singing warming up. a song today. That we're was lovely. Deborah's song. Honestly, wow. We're doing Judges 3, 4, and 5 in yep. chapter 5, the song of Deborah. Hey, so yesterday okay. we started the book of Judges. We did. We talked a lot about the places Israel didn't drive out the Canaanites. Fully. And then, yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And lived among them. Yeah. Chose to be, you know... To, to cohabitate, you might say. Yeah. And then uh, Joshua died. Yeah, 110 uh, years. Yep, yep, he did. Uh, and then after that generation, Joshua and the other leaders that lived in his... After they died, Israel fell into disobedience and rebellion against God. Yeah. And then this kind of frames the book. Judges are going to rise up to deliver their people, his yeah. people. So that's, right. that's where we... Pick up today, Judges chapter 3, the nations left in Canaan. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, all the Canaanites, the the Sidonians, there we go, and the Hivites living in the mountains of Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to Lebo Hamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands of the Lord had given their ancestors through Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters, and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods. I thought they were told not to intermarry. I thought that was the rule. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they did. Oh. That's not a bad thing. They weren't supposed and, to. And they even served their God, small G-O-D-S. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. That bad move. Bad stuff. But hey, Othniel becomes Israel's judge. Well, let's see what he can do. Well, let's talk about what the Israelites did first. Okay. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Mm. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King Cushan Rishathaim of Aram Naharaim. And the Israelites served Cushan Rishathaim for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer. Sorry, I'm, in a, I'm going. No, keep going. To save them. His name was Othniel, oh, yeah. the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. Mm. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Kushana Rishathaim of Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. Sorry, I was so into that. Yeah, well, Ehud, yeah. Ehud becomes Israel's judge. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and they went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Girah, a left-handed man, from the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. He was he brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. Okay. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. 
But when Ehud reached the stone's idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent them all out of the room. Uh, Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger, strapped his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went so deep that the handle disappeared. <laughs> You're not kidding me. This guy was pretty big. Disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger, and the king's bowels emptied. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the latrine. Yuck. Hey, see you later. <laughs> After Ehud was gone, the king's servants returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in the room, so they waited. But when the king didn't come out after a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Syrah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms. Then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossings of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites, killed about 10,000 of the strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. Shamgar becomes Israel's judge. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Okay. Judges chapter 4. Deborah becomes Israel's judge. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hasherah Hagoyim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak, Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zaniamim near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Herosheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera, all his chariots and warriors, into panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot 
and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Herosheth Hagoyim, killing all Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Seems like a waste of milk. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quickly crept up to him with a hammer and tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground. And so he died. Oh, yeah. That you do die from that. Yeah. Yeah. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come, and I will show you the man you're looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. Judges chapter 5, the song of Deborah. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abo, Ab, Abinoam, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge, and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Listen, you kings, pay attention, you mighty rulers, for I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, and the cloudy skies poured down rain. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai, in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads, and travelers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. When Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. My heart is with the commanders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord. Consider this, you who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the worn, at the watering holes. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord and the victories of the villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord marched down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, wake up, and sing a song. Arise, Barak, lead your captives away, son of Abinoam. Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against the mighty warriors. They came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Machir, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carried commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah and Barak. They followed Barak, rushing into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds to hear the shepherds whistle for the flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Gilead remained east of the Jordan, and why did Dan stay home? Asher sat and moved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors. But Zebulon risked his life, as did Naphtali on the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near, near Megiddo Springs, but they carried off no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in their orbits fought against Sisera. The Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, the Kishon. March on with courage, my soul. Then the horse's hooves hammered the ground, the galloping, galloping of Sisera's mighty steed. Let the people of Miraz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly cursed because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. Most blessed among women is Jael, 
the wife of Heber the Kenite. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him yogurt. Then, with her left hand, she reached for a tent peg. With her right hand, for the workman's hammer, she struck Sisera with the hammer, crushing his head. With a shattering blow, she pierced his temples. He sank, he fell, he lay still at her feet. And where he sank, there he died. From the window, Sisera's mother looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? Her wise women answer, and she repeats these words to herself. They must be dividing the captured plunder, with a woman or two for every man. There will be colorful robes for Sisera, colorful embroidered robes for me. Yes, the plunder will include colorful robes embroidered on both sides. Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who you love, those who love you, rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for forty years. That's the end, dude. That song is going to be in my head that all song. You're gonna day. You're going to sing it all day. Oh my You're gosh! Sing it all. Day. I'm going to seriously. I'm going to be singing about colorful robes until I go to bed tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm going to be grossed out by a couple little stories here of a. And an obese man, kind of losing it all there. Yeah, spilled his guts, you might say. (laughs) He did. One was kind of (laughs) hammered. He went into the tent and got hammered. (laughs) Got hammered with a cup of milk. (laughs) Watch the milk, I tell you. You gotta watch watch it. it. Yeah, don't drink the milk. Okay, Chip and Eric, reading through the Bible, we ask two questions. So what Mm -hmm. and where's... And where's Jesus? Um, so I kept thinking through this, Eric, you know, so um, uh, the importance here of, of leadership. So without the right leadership, you know, Israel uh, turned their back on God. Uh, they did not have peace. There were wars and, and, and casualties and, and negative consequences. Um, God um, raises up a leader, Mm -hmm. a leader takes charge, takes a lead, leads them down the road of prosperity and blessing. It's a good day um, when that leader does what they're supposed to do. Um, I want to highlight the two women in the story here. Oh, good, because that's where I'm going to. So go go right ahead. Let's do it. Well, yeah, yeah. So, and I'll give a so what to it. So, so Deborah and and Jail? Mm-hmm. Is that how you'd jail, say it? Yeah. Jail, Deborah in jail. Um, Deborah had a, a, a formal role of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we have a formal role of leadership, and it's by position. Position. Jail did not. Mm-hmm. She did not. She kind of stepped up to the plate. Emerged, you might say. She was an emerging leader, uh-huh. a catalytic leader at that, mm-hmm. who got things done, took charge, didn't bring together a committee or anything like that, knew what was needed to be done, and went after it. And sometimes, you know, uh, we need both types of leaders. Yeah, for sure. We need positional leaders. Mm-hmm. We need emerging catalytic leaders that are going to rise up, know what needs to be done, where we are, where we need to be, and get there, get it done, mm-hmm. make a difference, have some influence. And and sometimes, oh, not sometimes, there is always a risk to that. Yeah. Whether it's position or whether it's just mm-hmm. this non-positional approach to leadership, there will always be a risk. And if you're, I think the key here is, if you're led by God and you know his plan, his path, his will, and his way, and you're going after it, you know, you will be blessed in that. Not everybody will get on the train and get on board and, and you know, 
shout your praise, but at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about him and about what he wants, totally. and it requires leadership and risk. So great job for the women. Women, I know some incredible women leaders. We have great women leaders here at our church. Oh, yeah. We believe yeah. in women in, in leadership, whether it's positional or non-positional. Women knowing where they're at, where God wants them to be, and getting other people on board mm-hmm. and, and taking that lead and taking that risk. And so this is so that. different from the rest of oh, the yeah. ancient world. Oh, yeah. So different that women would have this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, I said this a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, God, his character, he gave, he gives women this positional and emergent catalytic leadership. He, he gives that to women. Yeah. And, you know, we cannot separate the God no. Capital G of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament. This God no. is Jesus. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people want to separate that. Well, they do. And we can't do that. No. And what I want to say here is this. This God, the pattern of God empowering women to do the work of his ministry in his kingdom, in this case an earthly kingdom, in this case the ministry of being a judge, you know, God empowering women to do the ministry, the work of his kingdom, mm-hmm. his character is consistent. Because in the New mm-hmm. Testament, we see Jesus empowering women the same way. Absolutely. You know, we see uh, yeah. Elizabeth, Mary, 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 Martha. And then yeah. even beyond that in the church, you know, yeah. we see uh, Lydia yeah. and we see Phoebe and we see Chloe yeah. and we see, you know, Priscilla. We see all these female characters. God is continuously empowering them. And Jesus did exactly that. Yeah. You know, he empowered the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. You know, you you think about that. He empowered the woman at the well. Yeah. I mean, this was empowerment and not not speaking down to, not second-handing, not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, they're not second class. They are equipped and empowered for the ministry in different ways than men, um, better at many things than men, and not better at many things than men. You know, it's just the way it is. So God's character is consistent, and we see it so very clearly in Jesus' ministry. Yeah. And so that is where I see Jesus in this text. Very good. Wow. We really collaborated. We were on the same we page collaborated. That, literally on the same page. Man. Yeah. Very good. Good stuff. Hey, I hope you have a great day today. And please share this with friends and family. We are so proud of you mm-hmm. reading through the Bible. We're going to do it. We're going to get there. It's still early on in our journey. Um, but, you know, it's going to be so worth it. So stick yeah. with it. Stay at it. Go give props to a woman in your life who is a solid, empowered leader of God. That's what we'll do today. And if you are that person, high five to you. Good job. Have a good day.